Pastor Ed here today, who's going to be preaching Lesson 1 of Credo, What Christians Morning. Morning. Should have checked this before we got on that. So today is the first part, the first part of uh, Credo. Uh, welcome everybody that's listening, everybody that's tuned in online. We welcome you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we're going to be talking about what we believe as Christians, and we're going to start, in lesson one, we're going to start talking about what we believe about sin. Lesson two, we're going to go on to what we believe about the Savior, and lesson three, then we're going to believe, then we're going to talk about uh, what we believe about the cross, and then we're going to, on Easter Sunday, hopefully by then we can gather as a community at, at the church, we're going to talk about what we believe about the resurrection. What does it imply to our lives? But first we have to have some bad news. And the bad news is what we believe about sin. You see, at the beginning, in Genesis 1, at the end of Genesis 1, God says this in verse 31. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And when God says it was good, it was fantastic, amazing, the best thing that you could ever think of, that is what God is talking about when he says it is good. There's nothing any better. So chapter 1, it's all about how good it was. And chapter 1 is like an overview of how God created. And then chapter 2 zooms in and shows us a close-up of what, how he created everything. But then we get to chapter 3. We're only three chapters into the Bible. And the, the serpent shows up. You see, when we talk about sin... We have to start at the source of the problem. So, if you've got your Bible and you're at home and you're sitting there, you can open it to Genesis 3. We're going to be in there the whole time. Except, for, I want to just say that at the end of the scripture that was read, Paul says they exchanged the truth about God for a lie. This is how it happened. And worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. So it starts, Genesis 3. And it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say? This is more of a proposition than, a, than a, a question. He goes, Did God actually say to you, Shall you not eat of any tree in the garden? You shall not eat of any tree of the garden. And the woman said to him, Said to the, said, 
said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden, neither shall you touch, lest you die. And when you say least you die, do you think she even knew what die was meaning? God created Adam and Eve to live forever. But he told them, I wonder if God explained to them what to die meant. He goes on and says, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. You see, the problem is we believe a lie. We believe, we still believe the lies that are told. You see, I don't think I, I don't think the devil tempts anybody that I'm not important enough for the devil. He's one person, he's not omnipresent, he cannot uh, but but the sin seed was planted at day one when they ate the apple. You see, we believe the lie, and we believe what we're talking. So we look, we go, it's not going to hurt me if I only have one drink. Or, like, if God, if the, if the devil actually told us, if the sin nature actually told us, what was the consequences, the pros and cons of what we would do? Do you think we would do it? Mike McKinley puts this in his book. This is the benefits. This is if, if the devil or the sin nature actually told us the truth. Benefits of having an affair. See, Satan says, you should cheat on your wife with that good-looking girl at your office. The person says, I don't think so. It's wrong, and it would hurt my wife. Satan says, fair enough, you make a good point. But look, I've run a cost-benefit analysis for you. Here's what I've come up with. The benefits. A few moments of physical, if perhaps awkward, pleasure. Cost. Disobedience to God erode your communion with God, ruin or possibly even end your marriage, humiliate your wife, mess up your kids' lives, publicly humiliate and expose, and exposure, might cost you your job, might mess up your worker's life, your co-worker's life, diseases, unwanted pregnancies, dishonor and, dis and disgrace on your church, and wreck your witness to others. Person, yeah, well, mm, no thanks. But that's not what we, we hear, is it? We hear, if, if we hear what the, 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 the devil's or the sin nature's logic, we hear this, experience the excitement of new romance. Get the kind of satisfaction my wife isn't willing to give me or interested in giving me anymore. Find someone who listens to me and actually understands me. 
relieve this stress and boredom and feel attractive and desired and feel loved. That is what we're told in our sin nature. You see, we believe the lies. We believe that one drink's not going to hurt me. You put your sin, your nature in there. We believe a lie. Just like Adam and Eve believed the lie. You know, it goes on to say in the text, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she had every single plant, tree, fruit, all yummy, tastiest produce in the world ever to exist was in the garden. Okay? But there's one tree. Have you ever told your kids, if you've got kids, not to touch something? They can touch everything there except the one bit. What do they do? They touch it. You see, Eve's looking at it, the serpent, he's, he's up there. See, that big snake's got a bad rap because I, oh no. That's just what the devil wanted to appear to show up as, you see. And he's there, hissing away. You think, man, this is happening. And he starts talking. I wonder if all animals talked back then. Or just, just this thing, you know? But he starts talking and starts talking to Eve and telling her that, yeah, there's that tree in the middle of the garden. You could eat that. And she's like, mm. and then she goes, and she was a delight to her eyes, and then the tree was to be to be desired to make one wise. She took of it. She had all of God's wisdom, by the way, yet she thought this tree was going to make her wise. She took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. You see, we, we question, we believe sin questions God. All of the sin that we do questions God. It goes, okay, I'm not going to love my wife the way God tells me to love her. I'm going to do whatever I want, not take care of her, not supply the needs. That's what I believe as a, as a, as a husband I, I, I'm called to do with my wife. I... I don't do that, because I go, man, I want this, I want that, and I fill it, and I stop doing what God's asked me to do, because I think that God might be holding something back from me. Every time we sin, that is what we say. We say, God, you don't know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. And we stop listening to God, and we start questioning God. Did he really say that? Does he really know what he's talking about? Or does this snake that's speaking to me know what was going on? That's what Eve was doing. Well, maybe God's holding something back. Maybe God's holding something back. And what's funny is, have you thought about it? They've got all this delicious fruit in the garden. There's this one tree that they're told not to eat. But she sees that it looks good for fruit, so she takes a bite. I'm guessing, and I only started thinking about this, studying for this uh, sermon, is 
was that fruit really ever tasting? Or was it bitter? You know, you, you, she bit into it and she goes, oh, that's not what I expected. The one fruit that I couldn't eat, I probably shouldn't have eaten. She probably, I wonder if she realized after she took a bite that, that I shouldn't have done that. That, that. That's a question I'll never know. Well, I don't know if I'll ever know, but I won't know this side of heaven. And it goes on to say this. Then the eyes of, of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. So they became ashamed. You know, have you thought about that? Until the sin entered the world, there was no shame. And the, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to them, the man, and said to them, Where are you? God's omniscient. He's everywhere. Yet he's asking them, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of, of you in the garden and was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I command you not to eat? The man said, The woman whom you get to me to be with me. Now, this is where blame shifting came. If you wonder where blame shifting originated, this is where blame shifting originated. Not me! It's your fault, God. You get me the woman. It's your fault. The woman you gave, a few verses back, he's telling God how wonderful she is. He sings the first ever song. And now it's like, God, the woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, Here's another point. The serpent deceived me. And I ate. You see, the serpent that planted the sin nature in our ancestors, Adam and Eve, planted the same seed in us. You see, that the serpent is cunning. He doesn't need to, to push me anymore. He doesn't need to tell me to sin anymore. The sin nature lives in me. You see, he is cunning. He set a trap and he thinks, I'm winning now. You know, you start asking questions when you're studying. I wonder how long he waited, you know, when he, when he fell, when he, when he fell from from heaven and he, he, he was an angel and he fell and he's on earth and he had time because there was no time obviously I don't think when he got through out of heaven I'm not sure but God created time when he created the universe 
And I wonder if, if the devil had a long time to think about how, what am I going to do to get back at God? And then he sees God creating all the universe and he goes, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to deceive his children who he made, who he loves dearly, and I'm going to plant the seed in them. Because that's how sin works. Sin is cunning. It comes in, it tells us lies. It says, oh no, you can do that, that's okay. And it makes it sound. If you, most things we do that are sin sound okay when we start. It's when we've been doing it for a long time, we realize that they're no good for our lives. It goes on to say, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your valley you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbirth. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but you shall rule over him. But he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because of you, because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of all of the days. Now you ask, why is work so hard? That's why work's so hard. It goes on to say, beans, thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plant of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of the dust, out of it, out of out of it you were taken. For you were dust, and to dust you shall return. And the man called his wife named Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now least he reach out his hand and take us also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord of God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. You see, we believe that at this point in time, all of Christian Christians believe that this is when sin entered the world. It infected us. See, we're worried right now about being affected by the coronavirus. 
But we are already been infected by a far worse, far worse disease. It's called sin. And we were infected that day. It, it infected us all. We are sinners by nature now. But, I love God because he puts a lot of buts in the Bible. And, and, and even in that punishment that he's telling us, because we're infected, there is a punishment. Now there will be death. Now sin, you die. But, God, in all of that, he shows compassion right from the get-go. First, he does the first animal sacrifice ever. Because how long do you think them fig leaves would have stayed soaked together? He kills an animal and makes them clothes. Because God is still showing his love even though they were sinners. You see, that is grace. See, everybody, whether you believe in Christ or not, get covered with some grace. You woke up this morning and you had air to breathe. That is grace. Okay? You might not be able to find toilet paper, but God is still God. And he is still in charge. You know, we've got to find different ways to, to become family. But God is still covering us with the grace that needs to be covered. You see, it goes on to say this. It, it, it said, I'm going to go back to verse 15 through 17. He says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He's talking to the devil right now, the serpent. And he's telling, look, because of what you've done, I'm going to do this. He shall bruise your heel and you shall bruise his heel. And then he goes on to give the punishment to the woman. He said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. And Adam, he said, because of you, listen to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I command you, you shall not eat of. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, yell, you shall eat of all the day. You see, we believe that God has a cure. God has a vaccination for the problem. You see, in dishing out the punishment, okay, he's saying, this is because of what you've done, here's the consequences, but, but, I'm going to send somebody that's not going to mess up. I am going to send somebody, this is the first, it's called the Proto-Evangelium, it's the first gospel message in the Bible, and it's in chapter 3. You see, yes, there's bad news. The world is infected with sin. But 
But the good news is that God has sent a cure. You see, next week we're going to learn about what that cure is. But there is no gospel without bad news. Do you know that, don't you? Because there can't be any good news if there's no bad news. You've got to have bad news. You see, it is a picture here of God's amazing grace that he shows up. Yes, he said, puts down, says this is the consequences. Because here's the thing. If you're a drug addict, if you're an alcoholic, if you cheat on your wife, or your wife cheats on you, there is going to be consequences for the actions. There is consequences, but guess what? God's grace covers all things if you turn to him and repent. See, at this point, we're in chapter 3. God promises sin will not have the last word. Sin will not ever have the last word. This is a time we, 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 we have come together as a family any way we can. And right now we've come together digitally as a family, which, which to me is amazing that we can do that. We live in a time that allows us to gather still. You don't think that's the grace of God? Because I do. I want to obey the law. But I want to gather as a church. And if this is the way we gather for the next three weeks, right now, and if it's longer, it's longer. I know it's Easter. I know it's Lent. And th this is why it's so important that we still communicate with each other the ways we can with the technology we have. <coughs> you see, God has a cure. God's grace covers all things. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for being a great and awesome God who, yes, sin has infected us all and sin is real. But sin does not have to rule our lives. Keys. Sin doesn't have to control us. We can turn to the one true God. See, sin tries to rule our lives with fear. Fear of missing out. Fear controls us, but it doesn't have to. We have to know that during these times, this, this did not take God by surprise. God is still in control. God is still God. And he will always be God. 
thank you, Lord, that you sent your son, the second Adam, because the first Adam messed up. And if I was there, guess what, God? I would have messed up too. And I believe that anybody who says differently is a liar. I've watched people live their lives and I know what they choose and the choices they make, God. Please help us to make right choices. Especially in this time, God, where, where there is a lot of fear out there. There's a lot of stuff that gets said and, and it is that we can not listen to that, God. But follow you. Follow your son who lived a perfect, sinless life. So we can have everlasting life with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.